12 o'clock here on SFM 104 to 107. Welcome to your Thursday edition of Midday Live. Top stories uh, making headlines across the globe today and across uh, the African continent and here in South Africa. Municipal authorities in uh, Motutlong near Brits assure communities that 90% of water will be restored by the end of the day today. And Kenya's vice president excused from parts of uh, the ICC trial. These and other stories coming up shortly, but first the news at 12. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Good afternoon. In the news at 12 o'clock, Mandela Mandela formally charged with assault and Beijing residents warned as pollution reaches dangerous levels. Good afternoon. I'm Kirit Lala. Former President Nelson Mandela's grandson, Mandela Mandela, has been formally charged with assault. He appeared briefly in the Mtata Regional Court in the Eastern Cape following a violent incident which allegedly happened in October last year. The SABC's Nkululeka Nyambiza reports. Mandela Mandela was accompanied by his team of defense attorneys. While on the other side of the court, a group of complainants' family was seated quietly. Senior public prosecutor Jongikaya Pusakwe presented a docket detailing two charges, including assault with intent to do grievously bodily harm. The second charge was pointing a firearm. In October last year, Mandela Mandela allegedly assaulted 44-year-old teacher Mlam Lingule after he allegedly bumped into a car driven by one of Mandela Mandela's business associates. A war of weights allegedly broke out and later there was manhandling and alleged firearm pointing. Mandela Mandela's defense attorney advocate Kenny Oldwich told the court that as his client and team of attorneys only received the docket this morning, they need more time to peruse and scrutinize the contents of the docket. The case has been postponed to the 24th of February for further consultation between the defense attorneys and the NPA. Mandela Mandela is out on warning. The case of two people accused of killing a man and leaving his body in the boot of a car at Monte Cassino in Johannesburg has been postponed to March the 26th. The matter was postponed in the Randburg Magistrates Court for further investigation and for bail application. Prosecutor Yusuf Baba told the court the state had no problem with the two accused applying for bail. However, he reminded the court that the case was complex and could not be resolved speedily. Jean-Pierre Milan and his girlfriend Marushka Robinson a former stripper, faced murder charges. This after Dustin Blom's decomposing body was found in the boot of his own car in the parking garage at the entertainment venue in September. Municipal authorities in Motutlung near Brits in the northwest have accused residents of the area of overreacting after some of them said the water was not drinkable. Water was restored to some parts of the area earlier today. The area experienced deadly protests sparked by a lack of water supply. Two people were killed during the protest, allegedly by police. A third person died later after he allegedly jumped out of an armoured police vehicle in an attempt to escape from custody. The authorities have pledged to restore water to more than 90% of the area by the end of today. President of trade union AMCU, Joseph Matunjwa, is expected to address union members at Marikana in the northwest later today. This is the union is consulting members on whether they should embark on massive industrial action across the platinum sector or not. However, indications are that the strike is on the cards. The SABC's Utumilen Khajani reports. AMCU plans to bring the platinum sector to a standstill. They have a non-resolution certificate from CCMA to strike at Impala, Anglo-American and Lonmin Platinum Mines. Last year, Impala mine workers agreed to a strike. At Empress, the decision will be taken on Sunday. 
Amco still demands a 12,500 rand increase across the board for its members, while the mines say they cannot afford that. Economists say the strike will be a burden to the economy after it took much strain during the 2012 wildcat strikes, which left scores of people killed. Itumeden Kajani, SABC News. Economist Azarjamin says exporters will benefit from the depreciation of the rand as its value is now lower than that of most emerging markets. In the past 24 hours, the rand dropped by 5 cents against the US dollar. In addition, members of trade union AMCU have indicated the possibility of embarking on a strike at the Amplatz and Lonman Platinum mines. Jamin says although consumers are not affected yet, they might start feeling the pinch soon. This has really taken the RAND to levels below most of the other emerging markets in terms of purchasing power terms. And we already see some of the benefits in terms of the very sharp improvement in tourism into the country. The lower RAND does not automatically mean a worse position for consumers. It only means a worse position for consumers if the lower RAND causes inflation to rise. And moving further afield now, people in the Chinese capital, Beijing, are being warned to take precautions after air pollution reached dangerous levels. In some places, pollution was briefly 25 times higher than the amount considered safe. The BBC's Martin Patience is there. A thick smog has enveloped Beijing, reducing visibility to a few hundred metres. The skyscrapers that normally dominate the skyline are now shrouded in pollution. The authorities are warning children and the elderly to stay indoors. Those going to work are being advised to wear protective masks. China's cities are frequently blanketed by pollution, caused by coal-burning power plants, factories and millions of vehicles on the roads. Studies estimate that air pollution causes hundreds of thousands of premature deaths every year. Recapping the top story at 12 o'clock, former President Nelson Mandela's grandson, Mandela Mandela, has been formally charged with assault. For SFM News, I'm Kirit Lala, back with headlines at 12.30. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Six and a half minutes past 12. This is Midday Live, SFM 104 to 107. We welcome your SMS is 34701 is the number to SMS2. That will cost you two rand. Uh, we also ask you to email us middaylive at sabc.co.za. Uh, you can also tweet us at SAFM Midday Live at Kuala B News. Uh, those are just some of the ways to get in touch with us. Uh, Some of the stories that we're looking at today, the International Criminal Court has ruled that uh, Kenyan Vice President William Ruto is not required to be present for his entire trial uh, trial for uh, crimes against uh, humanity. And uh, country leaders in the Great Lakes region have resolved to support ongoing initiatives by the African Union and its partners to address the deteriorating humanitarian situation in South Sudan and the Central African Republic. Just some of the stories that uh, we are tracking here on Midday Live this Thursday, uh, the 16th of uh, January 2014. But uh, the top story this hour, municipal authorities in uh, Motutlong near Brits in the northwest have given their assurance that uh, they will restore water to more than 90% of the area by the end of uh, today. We also hear that uh, the Water Affairs Department says it has managed so far to restore water to 60% of uh, that area. 
in the meantime, municipal authorities in uh, Mototlong near Brids have accused residents of uh, the area of overreacting after some of them said the water was uh, not drinkable. It is reported that water has been restored to some parts of the area, but residents say it is not drinkable. Let's talk now to our reporter Pumzile Mlangeni. Good afternoon to you, Pumzile. Right, uh, bring us up to speed with the w- developments there. What are you hearing? 60% restore of water restored so far in Mototlong, but uh, also we hear uh, complaints coming from residents there saying that, yes, water is there but not drinkable. Uh, but uh, also in terms of violence that we saw there, what can you tell us? Well, water, uh, according to some residents, uh, was restored uh, just before midnight uh, last night. Uh, but not all areas uh, uh, have water. Uh, something that they've been told that they, the water would have been restored by 12 o'clock uh, this afternoon. But we can see it's just after 12 o'clock. And I spoke to some of them just before 12 and said uh, the water has still not been restored. However, water tanks uh, uh, have been supplied, are uh, available. And that's the water that most people are using uh, more especially to drink because the water that was restored last night is not uh, clean. Not necessarily clean, but according to residents, it stinks. There's a stench coming out of water and it's not good for human consumption. Uh, But uh, authorities, like you said, have come out and said... uh, They've admitted actually that the water is not good for consumption uh, in terms of smells, and some have come out a bit dirty. They 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 say that the main reason for that because the pipe that was vandalized uh, it had screws, it had uh, some rust in the hence the water was that way. Uh, but they are also working on that. Uh, technical members from the municipality and the water affairs department are looking into that, and again setting themselves a deadline of tomorrow to uh, fix every problem uh, regarding water in the area. Well, the the area is very quiet today. It's business as usual. Uh, children are back at schools, even though there were problems there with water. Uh, water tanks have been uh, supplied to various schools. And the situation is calm at the moment, and uh, everyone is is continuing with their lives. All right, so I, I guess then uh, the, the, the residents of uh, Mototlung will need to give the authorities a chance to restore water. They are, they've given us uh, their assurance that at least by end of day today, 90% of, of the area would have been covered. Well, that's what our authorities have been emphasizing uh, throughout the day, and they say that uh, you know residents need to be patient because they both reached an agreement on... Tuesday that they have to wait uh, for Friday for everything to be fixed and if they do not meet the deadline that's when the community should come out and start complaining and doing um, all those kind of things because they said for now they have managed to work around the clock and also uh, they did not expect to uh, be, have gone so far uh, by this time. So uh, actually they think that uh, the, 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 the community should actually give them credit. Uh, but uh, community members, they don't care about that. They say they want water. It's been months. The problem has been ongoing for years and years and years. So for them, that doesn't mean anything. What they want is clean water that they can drink and be able to use and to also see each and everyone in the community uh, with uh, flowing water.
Mm. All right, uh, thanks, Pumzila. We'll monitor that situation as you heard uh, authorities there at uh, Matibem Municipality accusing residents of uh, uh, of the area of reacting, overreacting rather, after some of them said uh, the water was uh, not drinkable. Indeed, we heard uh, residents there saying that uh, water is not drinkable. Uh, commitment, firm commitments from uh, uh, authorities saying that uh, by end of the day today, 90% of the area would have been covered. Uh, water First Department saying this after afternoon that uh, uh, they've managed to restore water to 60% of uh, Mototlong in Brits in the northwest. We stay with this story uh, and thanks to our reporter Pumzilem Langeni. But uh, also let's take a listen uh, to uh, wa- what led to the death of uh, three people in uh, that area. He was bleeding with his nose, his ears, every private part that I know, in the private parts. So he was unconscious almost the whole day. He never even spoke to me. Body from the, our community was telling me what happened. The eyewitness, those are the ones that explained everything to me, but never ever have the, any policeman came and spoke to me about what happened. All what we need is answers. This is a mother of uh, one of uh, the deceased there following a violent protest over water in uh, the Matibeng municipality in Mototlong near Brits. But to some residents, life had to go on with or without water. No, everything must go on. Life must go on. No water, water there, no water. Life must go on. I feel happy and despite the, the protection, I feel everything's fine and it's back to normal. We'll see from the government if they supply the schools with water. Water Affairs Minister Edna Molewa cited sabotage as the cause of the problems there. There is a water problem that occurred here in Mututung, in the area of Madibe. That was caused by a very strange problem. That strange problem is that a water station, pump station, which has got three pumps, water pumps. One of the pumps pack. That is a strange problem. That is a strange problem. Etna Molewa is a Minister of Water Affairs. To understand what is happening in this municipality and the politics of the Northwest, earlier on I spoke to the local government and development analyst in the Northwest, Chris Maduba Duba. I started the interview by asking him what does he make of the recent water protest in Motutlong. Admittedly, I think in South Africa it, it, it's a known fact that the uh, Service delivery, especially in municipalities, is a challenge. It's not unique to Northwest. And in the Northwest, it's not unique to Madibing, a local municipality. But now when you look at the, you've just mentioned Rustin, the municipality, and you you, you come down towards helping to the Madibing. This is one area, you know, the two areas where you find that the economic activity economic viability of the province is centered around that because you'll find that in both areas you, you have got mining, you have got um, industries there, you have got uh, you know manufacturing industries and you, you have as well it's farming, it's mining. It, so And these, these uh, economic activities also take a, a lot of, of water resources that are there. But uh, that that strain really should be anticipated with uh, the, the Rustenburg, for instance, being the hub of uh, economy there, and uh, it will follow that uh, people will migrate there. So, so there needs to be a plan from government. 
Exactly. This this is my point that there must be a plan, and, and the, the problem is that that we really don't have what planning. But some people also are pointing the problem to be how water is administered. For instance, there were the, the agencies that, that were there set up to, to run the management of water have been, powers have been taken away from those, those agencies now. Those powers have been given to the municipalities. And the issue of capacity, the issue of skill, the issue of know-how becomes then a problem. The, the issue of capacity to deliver in South Africa is a problem. As much as it is important uh, to outsource some of these services, uh, we have seen some of the problems you know, when, 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 when state uh, services are, are, are outsourced uh, with the problems that uh, are still there. They have not been dealt completely with, with even in Bloemfontein. You know, when, when, that, when that happens, the community doesn't know that it is not the the government that is actually providing that, it has outsourced that. At the end of the day, the government has got the, the ultimate responsibility. It doesn't matter whether it has outsourced it. We link this into with, with the corruption that is there. When, when people who have been working in, or who have got um, you know, certain um, interest in some companies that are providing services to the government institutions, take precedence over building internal capacity. Which could be the case here, as people are alleging that you know what, you know, even this thing of breaking of the pipe uh, that supply this water three at a time, uh, we suspect that there could be a sabotage. It's not government that said that. The government said let's investigate because people were saying that now we can't uh, again uh, undermine the intelligence of people. They know what is happening there, and they say look, uh, every time there's no water. Uh, almost the same suppliers uh, bring water, and once we think that we are stabilizing, something happens, and these people are brought in. What about uh, political opportunism? You know, you know, to, to to be really honest, this time with the with this problem of Madibing, you know, I tried to also dig down and look at at, at those political nuances that could maybe be be be, be playing out uh, this situation that is happening there but you know I, i'm really finding it very hard to find that this could be there could be a political manipulation of any sort this being an election year we know that when this happens political parties would normally run and want to but as as you i think the 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 community there that really resolved that this is not a political issue this is about service delivery and you know, you have had reports that even some of the political parties that wanted to take advantage of the situation in some of those uh, towns cased out. You know, people saying that this is not this is not about politics. Look, don't mind our our genuine concerns uh, and come here and and, and and come with political opportunism. That's uh, Chris Maduba Duba, who is uh, the local government and uh, development analyst in the Northwest. What do you make of uh, the latest situation there? Uh, in uh, Mototlung, but uh, in particular what uh, uh, Mr. Matuba has just said, that uh, there is, uh, so far, it wouldn't appear that there is a political opportunism, people are taking advantage of the situation, but he points to uh, corruption, that uh, this, uh, some would say, is an act of uh, sabotage, 
every time there's a problem with water, one and the same suppliers come through uh, to provide water to fix the system. Uh, please uh, let us know what what you think of this, what's on your mind about this uh, particular issue. 34701 is the SMS line at Gualapi News. That's uh, the uh, Twitter uh, handle or also uh, SAFM at SAFM Midday Live. It's uh, 20 minutes past 12. Midday Live on SAFM. 104 to 107. Our top story this hour, former President Nelson Mandela's grandson, Mandela Mandela, has been formally charged with assault. Looking at the markets this hour, gold is trading at $1,238.20 an ounce. Platinum is at $1,423.13 an ounce. The rand is trading at 10 rand 90 cents against the US dollar. It's at 17 rand 83 cents to the pound. And it's trading at 14 rand 86 cents to the euro. The Specsavers summer promotion is back. Get a free pair of single vision prescription sunglasses up to the value of 2,100 rand. That's right, free prescription sunglasses. To get yours, simply purchase an eye test and prescription spectacles. Plus, you can upgrade your free sunglasses to polarized lenses, eliminating blinding glare for only 299 rand. Promotion ends 31 January 2014. Specsavers for affordable eye care and a whole lot more. T's and C's apply. In our SAFM documentary, This Sunday, the South African multiracial band The Blue Notes arrived in London in 1965, and British jazz was never the same again. It really turned things around in, in London when Dudu uh, Pakwana came and Louis Maholo went well, The Blue Notes. It was so exciting, it was so productive and creative. Now you see, English people at the time, they didn't move like that. It was a it was a music of joy. Only one band member has survived, drummer Louis Maholo. We went to Europe to look for soul. We don't get no soul there. Join me, Nigel Fomas, for part two of Chris McGregor and the Brotherhood of Breath, changing the sound of jazz in Europe. This Sunday afternoon, at half past two. You're looking for soul, they don't have it. So you have to make do. Midday live on SAFM, 104-107. Let's go to New York now, where the UN commander in charge of peacekeepers in Rwanda 20 years ago, as the genocide spread around him, has suggested that uh, the tragedy was not only one, uh, was not one only born out of ethnic divisions but a, a refusal by one party to share power with another. Retired uh, Canadian Lieutenant General Romeo Dallier was addressing an event at the United Nations in New York to mark the 20th anniversary of the genocide two decades ago. In his address to member states, he called into question the lessons learned in Rwanda and the seeming inability of the collective to rein in mass atrocities around the world. Show in Bryce Pierce reports. He was caught in the middle as the world turned its back on Rwanda, 20 years on raising questions about how the world intervenes, questions of why, for what purpose, and how quickly. What were the criteria at that time? Who's changed those criteria? Are all humans human? Or are some more human than others? Is it actually possible that some human beings are more human than others and that we've established a pecking order in humanity. 
by either actions or inactions. And in so doing, we argue self-interest. But are we not sustaining that pecking order? Are we not essentially saying that some don't count? With conflicts unfolding in the Central African Republic, South Sudan and Syria, among others, the retired Canadian General Romeo Dallaire charged member states to move the yardstick beyond self-interest when acting to save lives. We're still not resolving so many of the conflicts. There are still hundreds of thousands of casualties and millions of displaced and refugees. There are hundreds of thousands of children being used as the primary weapon to sustain these operations. How much time will it be till we actually get into the real, the real political risk exercise, and that is conflict prevention, where you go in early with whatever initial assets all the way through to ultimately the threat of use of force and maybe its use in order to prevent something. Over one million Rwandans, mainly Tutsi, perished in the extermination exercise that lasted 100 days, starting in April 1994. The UN's Deputy Secretary-General, Jan Eliasson, says lessons learned have not always been followed by action, particularly in the context of ethnic tensions. This is all the more so because of the deeply worrying and growing divisions along religious or ethnic lines that we are witnessing in many nations. The demonization, I use that word intentionally, of people of different faiths or ethnic belonging is one of the most toxic deeds of which human beings are capable. It undermines the fundamental principle that must lie at the heart of human interaction and in fact of the United Nations. That is the incontrovertible truth of every human being's equal value. General Delier, who received a standing ovation from his audience, called for greater humanity in political equations. That child soldier that had that AK-47 up my nose at a roadblock in 1994, who was about 12 or 13, was the same age as my son, 12 or 13, back home. Was that boy less human than my son? Was that boy less of an, of an element of our human race than my son, than your sons and daughters? And so have we actually moved that yardstick? Have we moved that yardstick of humanity? The UN in 2005 adopted a concept of responsibility to protect and is currently implementing a policy of rights up front, born out of the UN's failure to prevent thousands of civilian deaths at the end of Sri Lanka's civil war in 2009. The plan provides for protecting core human rights so as to stop armed conflict and mass atrocities down the line. Sherman Bryceby's SABC News, New York. Country leaders in the Great Lakes region have resolved to support ongoing initiatives by the African Union and its partners to address the deteriorating humanitarian situation in South Sudan and the Central African Republic. They have been meeting for the past couple of days in Luanda, in Angola, and at Sepo Ikaneng, our presidential correspondent, you were there, President Jacob Zuma was there, but also talk us through uh, some of the resolutions that were taken at the summit. Good, good afternoon. 
afternoon to you and very much uh, the compliments to you for this. Uh, yeah. Indeed. Yes, indeed, there was a one, there was a one day summit here to talk about the peace and security issues in the uh, in the Great Lakes. Uh, you know that there's a serious conflict going on in South Sudan, including the Central African Republic. So the conference on the Great Lakes seems to uh, be intending at making sure that they mobilize all the political and uh, uh, regional and international support to come up with new measures to see as to how they can address those kind of crises. Perhaps, Tsepo, uh, just talk us through some of these ma- measures. I know that uh, leaders denounce perpetrators of atrocities, war crimes, crimes against humanity, sexual violence, and recruitment of child soldiers, and so on and so on. But anything concrete to say, this is what we're going to do in uh, in the Central African Republic, for instance. Yes, something has been done. Their situation appears to be going back to normal. But uh, this is what is going to be happening in South Sudan in the next couple of days. Yes, I think what has been identified mainly here is that uh, these forms of conflict, especially the Central African Republic and that of South Sudan, have taken a new form, which is sectarian. Uh, the violence is mobilized along ethnic or religious states. So this is a major problem for the African leaders because they say uh, if a conflict is sparked by political kind of differences, it's easy for them to come in and actually make sure that they come with uh, workable measures to deal with uh, those crises. But if they they take the sectarian kind of uh, 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 violence like we've seen in, in the CAR and South Sudan, it becomes a problem. So this leaves more room for uh, insurgents maybe being funded by extremist groups because uh, in CAR they're they are, they are starting to be very much worried about Al-Qaeda, including in some parts of uh, northern Uganda where President Yoweri Museveni was saying that there is some kind of um, an insurgency that has been planned, which has been funded from uh, extremist groups. So Kenya is also part of the uh, the international conference on the Great Lakes, and also we know that they've been suffering a lot in terms of uh, uh, the uh, Al-Shabaab, which has been organizing within the country. So they say that uh, they have to come with new measures to come and, and deal with this new wave of uh, violence and conflict that is going on now. And the issue of funding that uh, intervention force that uh, President uh, Jacob Zuma was talking about earlier on, you remember in Mozambique, uh, he, he told Renama that uh, that force will be coming after them if they continue destabilizing the country, allegedly. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Was there any discussion around that? Yes, I mean, these meetings, uh, they, they do take place. When I, I, and I think what is lacking is that there, there isn't much follow-up for the fact that we know that uh, international organizations like the UN's budget are overstretched. They have a lot of commitment and they have troops in various kinds, uh, various countries, including the Great Lakes itself. So the AU uh, is very much incapacitated in terms of resources. They are able to have uh, personnel. The countries are able to place uh, forces, but to, to make them stay there is quite hectic because uh, the, uh, various governments cannot afford, uh, afford the budget. So what has come out is to say that how do we mobilize funds? Because as you are well aware that the West is not no longer uh, pouring a lot of money into Africa. The Syrian crisis going on, the Middle East is still a concern. So there's been a lot of... Uh, discussions to say that where do we find new financial resources to make sure that the AU peacekeepers are well-resourced and well-trained to sure. deal with this uh, conflict. One one answer, yes, no. Did uh, President Jacob Zuma m- uh, meet with uh, his Rwandan co- uh, counterpart Paul Kagame at the back of what is happening here in South Africa with the, with the assassination, as we told, of uh, the, the Rwandan spy chief? Yes, in our uh, post-meeting interview with President Zuma, I posed that question to say that uh, we saw 
President uh, Kagame sharing the stage with President Zuma uh, for the first time in many, many months. Uh, in some uh, similar summit that we've seen coming uh, before, but what he told us that there were no uh, private discussions or bilateral discussions that he entered into Rwanda. And I, I pose the question to say that what has happened to the uh, uh, former aide, the exiled leader there, who was uh, made at in Johannesburg, he said that we should allow the police to continue investigations. Okay. But he, however, said that he's confident that the matter will be addressed through uh, our police system. He didn't want to dwell much into the discussions about the possible deterioration uh, of the relations between Rwanda and South Africa. Safe flight back home, Tsepo Ikaneng, presidential correspondent in Angola. Thank you very much. Just after half past time for the news headlines, Kirat Lada. Good afternoon. In the headlines at 12.30, the Water Affairs Department says it has managed to restore water to 60% of Mototlong in Brits in the northwest. Former President Nelson Mandela's grandson, Mandla Mandela, has been formally charged with assault. And Uganda says its troops have joined forces with the South Sudanese military in the war against the rebellion in the world's newest country. Details on these and more at 1 p.m. And uh, Shadow, let's say good afternoon to you. And first, I think you need to, to get in touch with uh, uh, Monte Kungubele, who is uh, uh, the, the, the mayor of uh, Ekuruleni there. The, the, the issues that you touched on yesterday, the sanitary towels and the desk bags, when it came together nicely, the two ladies that you were talking to. But I know that uh, Mr. Kungubele is passionate about this. He started a campaign to raise money uh, to assist uh, with uh, sanitary towels, particularly for girls in the townships and rural areas. Oh. I love him. I love him. I love him. <laughs> That's I, I, what I like hearing. I really enjoyed when, when the two ladies came together and they started chatting. They were going to call each other. Well done to you, I must say. And they did. They did call each other already, and we've had major beautiful results. I got a report this morning, and this is what I think we ought to be doing on radio, especially, because, you know, we if we can get two people together to do what the country needs, then we've, we, we're getting there. Great, great, great stuff indeed. What's coming up uh, between 1 and 2 this afternoon? Today I'm honoured to have a conversation with South Africa's ambassador to Thailand, Ms. Ruby Marks, about her journey from the Cape Flats to the world. She's coming into our studios in Cape Town. And then we talk to Gail Wormersley, who is a Cape Town psychologist, and we'll talk to her about her traumatic experience while working with war survivors in South Sudan as part of the Doctors Without Borders team. She's back home and she said it was a traumatic experience having to leave without saying goodbye to some of her patients. And she'll tell us the story between one and two. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Interesting stuff. We'll be listening between 1 and 2 this afternoon, otherwise courtesy of uh, Shadow Trailer here on SFM 104 to 107. For now, though, this is Midday Live. It's 25 minutes to 1. International Criminal Court in The Hague has ruled that uh, Kenya's uh, Deputy President William Ruto does not have to be continuously present during his trial at the ICC. Presiding Judge Chile Ebo Osuji uh, however, ruled that Ruto must apply each time he desires, he desires to be away. Sarah Kimani reports. The decision by the court followed an application by Ruto to be excused from continuously attending trial. In his application, Ruto cited the new rules adopted last year during the Assembly of State Parties. Under the new rules, those with extraordinary duties, like heads of state, can be excused from attending trial. Karim Khan is Ruto's lawyer that the Assembly of State Parties were minded to uh, prefer the uh, stance 
that had been properly set out by the majority of this trial chamber. In other words, that an accused represented by counsel could be excused, that attendance need not be the norm. Indeed, uh, uh, absence could be the norm and attendance the exception. It's a fundamental uh, change and a fundamental clarification that the Assembly of State Parties made to the operation of the Rome Statute. The prosecution led by Anton Steinberger and the victim's lawyer, William DeRito, however opposed Ruto's request. They argued that the role of the deputy president was not clearly defined in the country's constitution. Emphasis we submit in Rule 134 quarter is the duties, not the office. The duties are attendant on the office and what needs to be established in my respectful submission is that the duties to be performed uh, by, the, uh, by the accused are of an extraordinary nature. So then your argument is not, your concern is not that one thirty-four quarter necessarily violates Article 21.3? No, what we are saying is that the interpretation of Rule 134 quarter um, advanced by the defence violates 21.3. Ruto, Kenya's president, Uhuru Kenyatta, and radio journalist Joshua Rapsang are facing crimes against humanity trials for allegedly orchestrating violence during the 2007-2008 post-election violence. Judge Osuji ruled that Ruto must be present when the victims of the violence are given their views during delivery of judgment, sentencing, and the victim impact hearings. This chamber hereby conditionally excuses Mr. Ruto from continuous presence at trial on the following conditions. As indicated in the new Rule 134, including quarter, a waiver, a waiver must be filed. That's one condition. The further conditions are these. Mr. Ruto must be physically present in the courtroom for the following hearings. One, the entirety of the closing statements of all parties and participants in the case. Two, when victims present their views and concerns in person. Three, the entirety of the delivery of the judgment in the case. Four, the entirety of the sentencing hearing, if applicable. Five, the entirety of the sentencing, if applicable. Six, the entirety of the victim impact hearings, if applicable. Seven, the entirety of the reparation hearings, if applicable, seven, the first five days of hearing starting after a judicial recess as set out in Regulation 19 bits of the regulations of the court, and nine, any other attendance directed by the chamber 
either proprio motu or at the request of a party or participant as decided by the chamber. Ruto and Sun's trial resumed today, but Ruto has been excused as President Kenyatta is in Angola attending the Great Lakes Heads of State Summit. Sarah Kimani, SBC News. It's at 20 to 1. This is Midday Live, SAFM 104 to 107. Just a couple of SMSs coming through, 34701. Wouldn't it be possible to utilize the 1.3 million rand car of the Premier of the Northwest to pump water to the Letlabile area, as Peter Mukwena? Mr. Gwala, I agree with you. Analyst corruption and or tendering system is seriously draining our country financially. For example, when government or municipalities evict shack dwellers, who is called every now and then, it's a red end security company. I wonder if they even tender. And this one, it makes no difference whether it is a political opportunism to demand water or not. The government has also politicized the availability of water in certain areas, says the Pure in KwaZulu-Natal. I'll be reading your tweets at Jablani Zulu Kakambile and Debs Amashekho, your tweets at Kualapi News. For now, let's go north, further north of our country. And as uh, the credit crisis continues to bite, Zimbabwe's finance minister believes that uh, some of the country's banks are sabotaging the economy. More than 700 companies closed down in 2013. Many of them are failing to access finance. Finance Minister Patrick Chinamasa's accusations come as the World Bank slashed its 2014 economic growth forecast by 2%. Shinganyoga reports. It's the small-scale farmers that are driving Zimbabwe's economy. Overall growth this year will surpass that of 2013, supported by a rebounding agricultural sector. But that's where the good news ends. The World Bank has pegged economic growth at 4.2%, significantly lower than the 6.1% forecast by the finance minister. It blames sluggish global mineral prices, high costs of production and a strong U.S. dollar. The senior country economist for the World Bank Nadia Pifaretti explains. We're not going to see too much growth in 2014 in the mining sector. Uh, the manufacturing sector is going to have a very slow sluggish growth. Uh, most of this growth is actually um, cancelled out by some of the old, mi- uh, old uh, manufacturing sector unfortunately phasing out in this phase. But Zimbabwe is also battling a perception challenge. The latest World Bank's Doing Business Index ranks Zimbabwe 170 out of 189 countries. Local businesses just don't believe that their assets are secure. It means that there are 169 countries where firms will feel better treated than they are in Zimbabwe. One of the parameters which is more relevant is the protection of assets is perceived as weak. And this, by the way, maybe links up to the question why are you trying to keep in assets under the pillow? It's frustrating for the country's finance minister, but he believes that the country's credit crisis is also in part due to economic sabotage by the banks. Zimbabwe Finance Minister Patrick Chinamasa. They are imposing sanctions on their own country because some of these banks, before these problems, had lines of credit, borrowing lines of credit to only to their customers. 800 million annual. Some of them are just 40 million. So the question again arises, why are they not doing those things they were doing before? Is it because they don't like the government? They don't like us? 
they don't like the country, what is the problem? But what is also coming to light is that Zimbabwe's formal economy is being boycotted by its own people. According to the World Bank, there are almost 3.5 million small to medium enterprises operating and that 85% of them are unregistered, depriving the fiscus of much-needed taxes. Shingai Nyoka, SABC News, Harare, Zimbabwe. The country's banking confidence remains weak due to softer economic growth. A survey released by Ernst Young earlier this week indicates that overall banking confidence fell marginally from 58 index points in the third quarter to 56 points in the last quarter of 2013. This is significantly below the first quarter of 2013's 82 reading. Amina Akram reports. The report has indicated that highly indebted consumers have no appetite for debt, which has negatively impacted the retail banking space. Banking confidence remains weak in the retail banking segment, while profit growth continued to slow. Emilio Pera is financial services sector leader Africa at Ernest & Young. We started to see in the last half of uh, 2013 that, especially on the retail banking side, confidence um, has um, dropped significantly. Um, For investment banks, um, it has remained quite high. So they, they, for the first time in a number of years, the difference between retail bank and investment banking confidence is quite significant. The latest report also highlights a tough operating environment for the retail banking sector in the fourth quarter of 2013. They are still very profitable, but uh, the rate at which they're growing is, is slowing. And and that is largely attributed to a slowdown in credit growth. Now, I suppose if you look at what we've seen in the market around the pressure and specifically unsecured lending, um, it's probably understandable that together with a quite slow um, general economic growth um, in our market, retail banking future growth remains um, uncertain or under pressure. Para illustrates how banks are struggling to offset slower credit growth by focusing on fee income. In the fourth quarter of 2013, fee income growth slowed to its weakest level in over two years. When you extend credit, um, obviously, um, if you borrow money, you have to pay interest on that, and that is the interest income component. But at the same time, um, especially in unsecured lending, there's also a fee component, um, that the fee that's charged for um, each transaction on your account. But those are examples of what a fee income would um, constitute. Ernest and Young believes sluggish economic growth will likely to keep overall banking confidence weak, this until more solid growth prospects emerge. This is the 48th quarterly survey conducted to measure confidence in the banking industry. If the economy doesn't grow, it means that employment is under pressure and also salary increases remain under pressure, which um, then also impacts, uh, if you consider that banks can only extend credit to the extent that um, the consumer can afford it, and um, that's uh, within the guidelines of the national credit regulator, it does limit um, the, the credit extension and, and therefore the growth of that business because that is how banks make money. So there's a direct correlation between the growth in the general economy and, and the future growth prospects for, for retail banks in general. Emilio Pera is financial services sector leader, Africa at Ernst Young, ending that report by Amina Akram in Johannesburg. And it's time now for your lunchtime market updates. Today's JSE report is brought to you by Telcom Business. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. 
Prandana Naidu is with Sasfin Securities. Good afternoon. How are the markets looking this Thursday afternoon? Breaking close on Wall Street. This company by market cap rose to a record after an announcing an... All right, you're going to have to try again, Prandana. We have a, a problem with your line. Just uh, uh, gives me time then to go through one or two tweets there. One from Jablani Zulu saying that uh, at Kualapi News now, this year is it's not book saga. It's a pit toilet and Limpopo. Why this now after we achieve good results in class of 2013? As Jablani Zulu there. Kakambile at Don Q Minati at Kualapi News Motlutlung is what happens when corruption meets the poor and vulnerable. No planning and maintenance, just corruption, uh, says Kakambile there. And Debza Mashekho saying that I think it was a, a fair call from the ICC not to compel Kenya's Deputy President William Ruto to be present for all the proceedings at the ICC. We'll go back uh, in a moment to Prandana Naidu of uh, Sasfin Securities. Uh, she is uh, not on the line uh, right now, so we will try and uh, get her back on the line. It's uh, 12 and a half minutes now to 1. This is uh, Midday Live, SFM 104 to 107. The South African Trade, Investment and Tourism Promotion Guide, in partnership with SAFM, will be hosting monthly radio broadcasts to promote trade and investment opportunities to local business and foreign investors. We invite business from all sectors to join us at the President Hotel in Bloemfontein to the launch of the Free State Province Symposium on the 27th of January 2014. To participate for free, contact Boyce Kajaneni at 082-923-4402 or email at rsvp at bbmmedia.co.za Also visit southafricanguide.co.za SAFM brings you live, interactive, topical news from current affairs, global warming debates, women's issues to interviews with top literary connoisseurs. To join our conversations, visit our website on safm.co.za. Follow us on Twitter at SAFM Radio or simply like our Facebook page, SAFM Radio. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Let's go back to Prandana Naidu of Sasfin Securities. Prandana, how are the markets looking this afternoon? Hi, Bongi. Well, Asian and European markets ended higher following a record-breaking close on Wall Street. Tencent Holdings, Asia's largest company by market cap, rose to a record after announcing an investment in a Chinese logistics operator to boost its e-commerce business. Over on Wall Street, the S&P 500 hit an all-time high for the new year, adding just over half a percent. This is on the back of a modestly upbeat Fed survey known as the Beige Book, which pointed to stronger economic conditions throughout the U.S., Looking ahead, futures are indicating a lower opening later on today. Locally, the JC is trading slightly higher, with the resource counters leading the way. Retailers have begun reporting. Richmond posted soft sales up only 9% in constant currency terms and 3% in reported currency terms, the difference due to heavy forex headwinds. Mr. Price also reported the group sales um, increased by 14.8% for the quarter. The group strategy of focusing on cash sales continued to gain momentum. Cash sales grew by 17% and account for 81% of total sales. 
Taking a look at the local indices, you've got the gold index up 1%, resources 10 index up 2.5%, industrials 25 index down 0.3%, and the financials index down 0.6%. Overall, the market is up 168 points to 46,610. And the stocks on the move today, Pranana? Bulletin up 3.6% to 330 Rand. ArcelorMittal up 3.4% to 38 Rand. Anglo-American up 2.7% to 244 Rand. On the downside, Growth Point down 2% to 23 Rand 50. Truard down 2% to 76 Rand 90. And MassMart down 2% to 129 Rand. And uh, your latest market indicators? Gold is trading at $1,237 an ounce, platinum $1,418 an ounce, Brent crude $105 per barrel. And finally, the rand is sitting at 10 rand 90 to the dollar, 17.82 to the pound, and 14.85 to the euro. Thank you very much uh, to Prandana Naidu of Sasfin Securities. This feature was brought to you by Telcom Business. Talk to Telcom Business about getting you on the journey to convergence with a tailor-made solution. Telcom Business. Marilyn, I need a non-automated, hand-operated ink dispenser for the objective of on-paper documentation. A pen, sir? Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Using several words when one will get the job done doesn't make sense. Neither does using several providers when you can get voice, mobile, fixed, data, cloud and IT from one service provider. Call 10217, click telcom.co.za forward slash business or visit a Telcom Direct store and get a tailor-made solution. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. All right, uh, let's read uh, some of uh, your SMSs on 34701 here on SFM 104 to 107. This is a midday live. Uh, this one says more specific details of uh, cause of failure of water supply will be very revealing. The announcement by Water Affairs uh, that uh, problems on one of uh, two pumps uh, was caused by sabotage is indicative of incompetence in not repairing far sooner and uh, averting riots and uh, deaths by equally incompetent police. And this one says the conflict can be avoided in Sudan and the CAR if separate development can be implemented to accommodate the various ethnic groups, says uh, Jim Dimba there. And this one from Dade Nakasi in Tswane says, it is very painful that uh, we went outside the country to suffer, fighting for better life for our people, and only to see uh, how most people deployed in municipalities really uh, don't care for what they are there for. And uh, our ruling party seems uh, as if they too do not have ears next to uh, the communities. This one uh, unsigned also says there is no focus administration technicalities. The focus is on who gets what, where, how and employees at the bottom have no direction. And uh, it's unsigned and another one unsigned. We have a culture of total disregard disregard for the law and basic ethics from top down including those responsible for supply of water who were wanted to uh, or rather uh, who waited for killings before repairing uh, the system. It's an unsigned SMS. It's five minutes to one. Bafana Bafana coach Gordon Egerson remains confident that his team will progress to the quarterfinals of the African Nations Championship despite playing to a one-all draw against Mali at uh, Cape Town last night. South Africa continues to top Group A on goal difference, but they need at least a draw against their nemesis, Nigeria, on Sunday to guarantee a spot in the next round. Verli Lembuli reports. Day Live, PFM, 104 to 107. 
South Africa, Mali and Nigeria all stand a good chance of advancing to the quarterfinals. A draw for both Bafana Bafana and Mali will put them on five points, enough to automatically qualify. However, a victory for Nigeria will put the Super Eagles on six points and South Africa will have to hope that Mozambique beats Mali. That outcome could force the tricky head-to-head -head system to be called in. Egerson believes that his team can pull through. I think the result puts pressure on everybody in the group, you know, because it's very close and it's, it's a tough group, you know. I think people underestimated the quality in this, in this competition. The teams, uh, they've been able to pick their best players from the domestic leagues. And um, it's, it's a tough tournament. I mean, Mali is a, is a very, very good team. You saw that for yourself. I mean, no one's trying to kid anybody here. You saw them against Nigeria. You saw them against us tonight. They're a, they're a good side. They've got a lot of, uh, you know, they call us a few poles with their aerial heart. You know, they win, they win a lot of uh, balls in the air. Let's see who goes through in this group. You know, the two teams go through. We're going to have to uh, get a result against Nigeria. Mali were better in the air, and they were also more organized than Bafana's previous opponents. The Eagles will feel hard done by after the match officials denied them a clear penalty in the eighth minute and were later punished for a penalty when Lindoko Tlembata seemed to have been tackled outside the box. But the experienced Rebril Drame is not reading much into that. In the context, I'm very happy. Uh, we, uh, the players played, uh, and they played well and they played for Africa. Concerning the penalty, well, you know, I don't think it's an honorable um, solution. But as you, as you know, there are three parameters uh, in, in the football. You have victory, machinery and defeat. A tactical substitution to bring on defensive midfielder Asavel Mbekile for Edward Mangele made the situation worse for Bafana. It meant that Bernard Parker, the leading goal scorer with three goals in this tournament, was isolated up front and there was lack of support in the midfield due to the three anchor men sitting too deep. Ekerson stopped short of agreeing that the timing of the substitution was not spot on. I was disappointed first of all because the, the referee or the fourth official took so long to make the change. We were ready for a long time and he kept on telling us something, the wrong number and whatever the case may be, delayed and delayed the substitution. But what I wanted to do was put Maddy a bit more forward, just a little bit behind the striker to be more creative. And then number eight was causing us a lot of problems in the middle of the park. You know, he was cheating and getting to good areas and uh, I needed someone to, to pick him up. And um, Sevilla did that quite well. And from that moment on, the number eight stopped playing. And I think we took a little bit more control of the game and we started getting forward, especially the last 20 minutes. And we created, you know, you could see at the end, towards the end, uh, the goalkeeper was slowing things down and they were prepared to, to draw the game. And South Africa has never beaten Nigeria in an official match, but Bafana will start to believe that they can topple the current Super Eagles that has looked very shaky at the back in the first two matches. Speaking after the exciting 4-2 win over Mozambique, head coach Stephen Keshi is worried of facing an experienced Bafana side. On Sunday, who played on Sunday? Oh, Bafana Bafana. That's my country. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens on Sunday, man. Bafana has a very good team. Shabalala, Kone, very proper, experienced players. Uh, they can change the game anytime. So it's going to be a very um, difficult, but... Um, We'll try and do our best. If there was one tournament that Bafana have to finally beat Nigeria, it's now. But for that to be achieved, Ikasan will have to reorganize his tactics again, starting with solving his attacking machinery. Vellemboli, SAPC News, Cape Town.
And thanks to the team Mabubuluga and Lengiwe Mabaso, a technical producer today, Olebukheng Munana, and uh, executive producers Busi Chane and Aubrey Sechia. Still to come here on uh, SAFM, otherwise with Shadow Twala 1 to 2 and uh, 2 to 4, it's afternoon talk with Ashraf Garda. PM Live comes through courtesy of Tsepiso Makwetla, and there's uh, uh, your market updates that's between 6 and 6.30 with Hilton Tarrant and a spot rep with uh, Stephen Kirker happens between half past 6 and uh, 7 here on SFM 104 to 107 till we meet again tomorrow for your Friday edition of uh, Midday Live stay tuned to SFM 104 to 107 news is next at 1 bye bye